Welcome to American Indian and Alaska Native Living, a program designed to educate and inspire listeners throughout Indian country. American Indian and Alaska Native Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he is here today to help you learn more about your health. Here is Dr. DeRose. Welcome to today's broadcast. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We're talking today about a topic that, well, for a lot of lay people, it's not even on their radar screen yet, although there's a lot more coming out in the medical research literature, and it's percolating throughout the lay press. It's something that I believe Native Americans were in touch with, whether they realized any of the terminology that we're going to be speaking uh, to today or not. In fact, a lot of the terms are things that have been recently coined. But to help us on a very important journey about a far-reaching health factor that has been overlooked for decades, centuries by most people, is Dr. Greg Steinke. Greg, it's great to have you with us. Hey, thank you, David. Uh, exciting to uh, join you and talk about this very rich uh, and uh, smelly topic. Okay, well, you've definitely got folks... Uh, engaged here already with your introduction. We're speaking about something that in the research literature is being referred to as the microbiome. Some of you that are regular listeners to the broadcast, you've heard us with other guests on this topic in the past. But Greg, if someone's just jumping on for the first time hearing this term microbiome, what actually is it talking about? Well, it's centered on your gut and uh, it's centered on your gastrointestinal tract. And we're finding out that there's a lot more to what's going on in there than we ever thought before. We just thought that food broke down and, and you took out some of it and the rest of it was discarded with the normal bowel movement. But we're finding out that it's much more complicated than that. The microbiome refers to the community of bacteria, fungus, viruses, and the DNA and the metabolites that make up what is actually in your stool. And we're finding out that it has a lot to do with your health. And we're going to look specifically at a few details today. So before we dive into the topic, and for those of you thinking this sounds like a pretty crass subject, if you're not familiar with the topic, this is really cutting edge stuff. And many of us have been getting glimpses into this over a number of decades. But it hasn't really been pieced together very well, and a lot of those pieces are being put together. Dr. Steinke is going to help us uh, looking at things as diverse as how it can impact your immune system and your overall health. But, Greg, before we dive into all that, a little bit about you. Of course, uh, folks that are regulars to the show, they know you. You and I have worked together. In fact, we were two of the three co-authors along with nurse practitioner Trudy Lee on the best-selling book, 30 Days to Natural Blood Pressure Control. So folks know that you're interested in natural therapies, interested in lifestyle therapies. But what a lot of folks may not realize is, uh, if I'm not incorrect, weren't you one of the, the charter members or founding members of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine? Yeah, that takes me way back. You know, that was uh, that was pretty exciting. We were training in Loma Linda University, and I was doing a master's in public health and nutrition at the time. And uh, this uh, white-haired man <laughs> named John Kelly uh, came and uh, 
started uh, talking about this idea he had, and he was looking for folks to uh, join him to get it going. And I was just a student at the time, but I had the opportunity to, uh, uh, <laughs> I guess, you know, it was more my wife's opportunity to uh, become the first secretary of the organization. And so I got to sort of participate through her direct uh, um, involvement uh, early on and got a great friend out of John. This is really a thriving specialty, and I've heard it may be one of the fastest growing specialties, the specialty of lifestyle medicine. So you've been working in this area. You're actually someone who's involved with actually writing the board exams for this uh, discipline. Is that correct? Yeah, that's been a great opportunity. I uh, have been for the last couple of years uh, participating in, in writing uh, exam questions uh, for the doctors and the other uh, health professionals who are involved with that. And it's been a blessing. I, I've, I've been really grateful to uh, to do that. And, uh, you know, it really helps to keep you up on what's going on out there. And uh, lifestyle medicine is a great field, you know, just getting back to the basics of life, your diet, your exercise, and, and so on. So folks who know lifestyle medicine know you. Folks who know you from our book, 30 Days to Natural Blood Pressure Control, know you. But others know you in a different context because when we talk about these natural things, lifestyle things, they say, oh, well, this is one of those preventive medicine doctors, one of those lecturers, one of those authors, maybe one of those radio hosts as well, like Dr. DeRose. But you do some stuff that I would not dream of doing at this stage in my career. Years ago, I did uh, work some in intensive care units and emergency rooms and hospitals. But you are on the front lines. Isn't that a good portion of what you've been doing lately? Uh, my hospital, Erlanger Hospital, recently started telling me how many patients uh, COVID-wise I've been seeing. And since November till uh, now, they say I've seen 745 patients with COVID-19. And that doesn't even include all the patients we saw through the rest of last year. So We've been able to get a lot of exposure to COVID-19 and some of the struggles there and also um, some of the successes. So it's it's been a, a difficult time, but it's also uh, been something that we've been able to help a lot of people do better. Now, when people hear exposure to COVID-19, most folks don't think that sounds like a good thing. And I don't think you've come away completely unscathed. Did I hear correctly that you uh, did come down with COVID-19 yourself? Yeah, I did. You know, nine months into uh, being uh, in contact with patients, uh, right before the vaccine was available to me, I uh, got the illness. I got it actually January 1st, but thankfully it was mild in me and I didn't have a, a lot of uh, a lot of symptoms. Did have to quarantine for the uh, recommended time, but just stuck around home. I uh, got some time with the family. Uh, Sort of vicariously a little bit because uh, they were trying to quarantine from me, um, but uh, still got uh, quite a bit more time than usual in terms of just the interactions and stuff. So, you know, it's funny how uh, FaceTime and some of these uh, various methods on the phone, you know, you can just contact your wife so quickly now. And, you know, we were doing that just across the house. You know, I'd, I'd be stuck in the bedroom feeling fine. But wanting to talk to somebody, and so I just call my wife and, hey, you know, what are you doing right now? <laughs> and she's just on the other side of the house. So, you know, that that was uh, our experience here this last month. We're so thankful that you fared well with it. And for those of you joining us on today's broadcast, of course, this is a pre-recorded show. 
That brings us to another point. We try not to date the shows. It's no secret. Uh, we're recording this show in February of 2021. But Greg, you're not only a hospitalist, not only on the front lines with COVID, not only trying to enhance your patients' immune systems, but you're looking to actually open up an outpatient clinic as well in the Chattanooga, Tennessee area. Just tell us a little bit about uh, what's happening in that arena. Yeah, we're really excited about this uh, idea. It's going to be called Life Med Clinic. It's a family medicine primary care clinic that is very uh, strongly focused on lifestyle medicine. Um, we're going to adopt a model of that I think is going to be really special that, um, in terms of giving access to patients in an affordable way. And that model is called Direct Primary Care. And that model will, uh, I think, be the model of the future for wellness in the primary care world. And so we're going to step into that as a ministry to touch folks who can pay it, pay the money. And also we're going to have a robust piece for those who have low income and are underinsured. So I hear a lot of folks uh, talking about the challenges in Indian country and in other places, uh, especially in underserved communities with primary care. You're talking about something called direct primary care. A lot of people would say, well, isn't that what we're doing other than maybe telemedicine? When you use the term direct primary care, what are you talking about? And why beyond that might it be important for folks who are in Indian country with tribal health programs to have heard about this concept? Well, David, what's happening in America over the last five to 10 years is that insurance companies are, are doing everything they can to lower their expenses because America is just getting sicker and sicker. And so what they've been doing is raising the deductibles. And so um, upwards of 50% almost now of Americans have high deductible insurance plans. And those high deductible insurance plans uh, are only going to continue to grow. Um, a lot of commercial payers have that. And so those high deductible plans um, often will make the patient hesitant to go to a primary care doctor. There's a lot of hidden fees, surprise bills that they worry about. And so patients are often not going like they should. And when they are able to go or do want to go, they struggle to find access. They call their doctor and it's three, four weeks to be seen. And, you know, sometimes that's a long time for depending on the problems. So um, we are interested in doing something that's um, a, a lower cost, a monthly rate. Um, so you can see me as much as you want just for a set fee. It's going to be less than $100. And uh, we're excited about this concept. So basically, just to take a figure, for $100, I've got no insurance even? I can pay you a hundred dollars a month, and I can see you every day. Yeah, I mean, we're going to set ours at about seventy dollars a month. Uh, yeah, you could see me every day if you wanted, and uh, and it's exciting for the doctor too because it gives us an opportunity to have a business going and still be able to have a successful ability to interact a lot with the patients. And so, and it's not, it's not a concierge concept where you're only serving the wealthy. It's for all people and it's as much as a cell phone bill. Almost everyone has a cell phone, in some cases less than a cell phone bill. So, you know, it's a, I think it's a very affordable model and it's something that it will work uh, over time. Wow, this is interesting stuff and we definitely, uh, 
are going to look forward, hopefully, to featuring you on a future broadcast because even though folks in tribal health programs might say, hey, I don't have any deductible where I'm at in the, in the tribal health clinic, there's still these access to care issues, there's these delivery issues, so we're interested uh, what you learn in this environment and how you bring more natural healing concepts, lifestyle medicine concepts to patients. Greg, if someone is in the Chattanooga area, I know the clinic hasn't opened its doors yet, but is there a point of contact if someone says, hey, whether I'm in Chattanooga, whether I'm traveling through, or whether I just want to contact you guys and see how it's working, is there a way to do that? Yeah, I would recommend uh, going on lifemedclinic.org, lifemedclinic.org, and uh, you can uh, get scheduled or uh, call us if you want. Um, learn more about what we're up to. Okay, I got it. LifeMedClinic.org. So we've done a great job, I think, and whether you're tuning in and think I did a great job or not, but I think we've done a great job of getting uh, acquainted with Dr. Greg Steinke, his background and his involvement. And Greg, we really want to spend the rest of the show honing in on this topic of the microbiome. Before we do that deep dive in our next segment, we've got a little bit of time just to set the stage. Why should people be concerned about the health of their, we might call it the gut flora, the, the microbial contents of their intestinal tract? Why is this so important? Well, it's so important uh, because, like, let's, let me give you an example. Uh, there's a bacteria called Clostridium that grows up uh, in people who start getting sick. And it suppresses a certain immune cell in your body called natural killer cells through the bile acids that are generated. And so your immune system literally gets suppressed because of a certain bacteria that grows up in your intestines. And so we didn't know this before. This is all brand new. We know now that that leads to a significant risk with uh, liver cancer, for example. If you have a liver tumor and then you get clostridium in your gut, you're much more likely to have progression of that liver tumor getting it getting it out of control. So uh, it's a significant uh, field, and it's going to have a big impact in the future. We definitely want to talk more about this. I'm speaking with Dr. Greg Steinke. The focus, the gut microbiome, how it can make a difference as far as your overall health. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We'll be coming back with more on today's edition of the broadcast, things that can help your immune system, and far more. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please reach out to us on the web at A-I-A-N-L dot O-R-G. That stands for American Indian Alaska Native Living. Again, A-I-A-N-L dot org. Or you can call us at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. The following is a public service announcement for victims of child abuse. For 13 and one half years, I was the victim of severe child abuse. I was being beaten, cursed, and deprived of any kind of love and care. It was a big secret. Children are born to be loved, not to be abused. If you've experienced child abuse, find someone to talk to, someone you can trust and share your hurt and disappointments. Go to overcomingabuse.org. That's overcomingabuse.org. 
We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. I'm Andrew Saul, Commissioner of Social Security. I'm here to warn you about telephone scammers pretending to be government employees. Some of these scammers may say threatening things like you will be arrested if you don't make payments or provide personal information. Do not fall for these tricks. These calls are not from us. Real Social Security employees will never threaten you for information or money. If you receive a call like this, hang up. Never give the caller your personal information, like your Social Security number or bank account, or send money in any form, cash, gift cards, wire transfers, or prepaid debit cards. Report the call to our law enforcement arm, the Office of the Inspector General at oig.ssa.gov. Share this information with your friends and family. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaska Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to the show. I'm Dr. David DeRose. With me, Dr. Greg Steinke. Dr. Steinke, hospitalist, lifestyle medicine specialist, He's got a master's in public health with an emphasis in nutrition, and he's making a difference for people by trying to help them with comprehensive natural strategies. We're focusing on the microbiome, those uh, microbes, those germs, if you will, that live in our guts. Greg, we're talking especially to indigenous peoples, and there is research that's been taking place on indigenous populations throughout the world. You and I were speaking off-air about indigenous Africans in the country of Malawi. Tell us what we've learned from some of the research there. Yeah, pretty exciting uh, research. So um, what they were able to uh, discover, well, what they did was they compared folks in Malawi and their microbiome, uh, looking at their stool, their feces, and then compared what Americans uh, have going on. And what they found was that actually... Uh, those people in Malawi with uh, natural indigenous diets compared to the folks uh, in America with the standard American diet, um, those folks in Malawi have 30% more species of bacteria in their gut. They have um, a lot more um, bacteria that have an anti-inflammatory effect growing in their guts. And we believe that that is related to the kind of diet they are on, a high plant-based diet, a high fiber diet, a low meat diet, and uh, you know a low simple sugar diet, as opposed to uh, Americans who are on a high sugar diet, on a high meat diet, uh, not eating very many plants, low fiber. And so this significant difference uh, seems to be uh, playing a role in the microbiome where these short-chain fatty acids, this special kind of fatty acids, it's very short, very small, 
names like butyrate, acetate, others, um, seem to have a very important effect in that they leak into your system. They also have an important role in keeping your gut healthy in terms of the cells of the gut. They live on this uh, butyrate and acetate. And as they've done uh, studies showing that when you change your diet, when you go to a whole plant-based diet, let's say from a regular American diet, as the dietary change takes place, little by little, your microbiome starts to change. Hmm. And it takes about 30 days for that fully to kick in. And we've noticed that running our community health programs in the past, patients will often complain of having uh, explosive experiences Hmm. as they go through the dietary changes. And what's happening is the kinds of bacteria that are living, that are, that are reproducing in your gut are changing, going from a, a more uh, pro-inflammatory type situation to anti-inflammatory. Greg, the thing that's so confusing, I think, to a lot of people about this, you're throwing out these terms like more bacteria, more species of bacteria in the gut. And I know the average person is likely to think, well, that doesn't sound good. I mean, bacteria, I mean, that's something we're told, you know, we're bad. I mean, I have antibacterial soap and we're putting uh, alcohol on our hands to try to kill bacteria and viruses. Why would it be good to have more species of bacteria? Well, we've learned a lot about this. Yeah, you're right. 50, 100 years ago, you know, bacteria was the nemesis. You know, when they figured out that penicillin could treat uh, infections during wartime, they were excited to be able to treat the infections and keep soldiers, for example, from losing their leg uh, in in, in battle. But as we've learned more and more, we've realized that bacteria is an important part of your health. You need healthy, good bacteria on your skin. You need it in your gut. Um, This bacteria is first exposed to you when you're born. If you're born vaginally through a regular vaginal process, you get the uh, bacteria that is in your in your mother's uh, you know vagina. If you're born through a C-section, you get the bacteria that is on the mother's skin, and they've actually found that that plays a role in your risk of allergies. If if you're a C-section baby, you're more likely to have allergies in your life. Hmm. Interesting stuff. So we're getting this idea that it's important, the kind of germs, the type of germs, the number of germs, if you will, that live in the gut. You mentioned this other connection with inflammation, and I know we've been hearing things about the immune system. How would certain germs in your gut, I'm using germs, of course, generically for bacteria and viruses and and fungi and all, but how would those contribute to inflammation and to immunity? Well, let's look at COVID-19 for a second. So um, we just uh, started getting some studies coming out on COVID-19 and what it's doing to your gut. You know, a lot of patients are having diarrhea with COVID-19. It's changing the gut. Um, the virus is getting down in there. And what they're finding is that you actually um, have these chemicals. Um, I just wrote them down here. TNF-alpha, CXCL-10, um, other chemicals that are inflammatory chemicals that um, are seen going up as a result of changes in the, the kinds of bacteria that are in your system when you start having COVID. So 
the COVID infection starts, the bacteria, the good, you know, certain good bacteria that you want to have that starts dropping down and the inflammatory uh, chemicals start going up because those bacteria that you had that, that went away, they were anti-inflammatory. They were preventing this inflammation from starting up. And so folks who are having this pro-inflammatory response that you're maybe hearing about where someone gets really sick with COVID-19, what's happening? They're having way too much inflammation in their body. Part of this may be related to what has been going on in their gut. Hmm. This is really a really amazing stuff. And what you're finding and others are finding is there are actually things that we can do that can make a difference as far as our gut flora. Help us walk through some of that. You've already alluded to the fact that uh, eating more plant foods, eating more fiber seems to be good. What are some other things that seem to be important in this whole equation? I think one thing to look at is the issue of antibiotics. Antibiotics are a good thing in the right situations, but um, there have been times, um, you probably can recall going to the doctor before, just having a sniffle and the doctor gives you antibiotics. And overuse of antibiotics may be an issue in people where antibiotics kill the bacteria in your gut. And there have been situations where people have more problems after they get the antibiotics from the inflammation that develops. We know that, uh, you know, there's a whole list of diseases that are now involved with uh, disturbances in the microbiome that may come from the antibiotics, certainly from diet. Um, you know, just to list a couple of them, David, depression, anxiety, autism, COPD, asthma, cardiovascular disease, obesity even, if you can believe it, diabetes, a couple different kinds of cancer have been connected now, rheumatoid arthritis, um, in various infections. You know, this is a very, very important field, and this may be part of the underlying reasons why some people get more sick with certain diseases than others. I think what's perhaps the hardest for uh, even professionals to understand, I mean, sure, we can understand pretty easily a connection between the gut flora and colon cancer. And there's been data, I mean, I can remember actually working with one of the pioneers in this subject, uh, Dr. Ernst Winder. He allowed me to work in his American Health Foundation facilities there in New York many years ago when I was doing my preventive medicine training. And uh, Dr. Winder and his team had looked at the changes uh, that happen as far as carcinogens in the bowel as you mentioned, you know, these bile acids, these things that we make to digest our food and how they're changed. They maybe didn't understand all the different bacteria and things that were involved, but they could see that when you ate that high-fiber plant-based diet, it was a healthier bowel flora or at least less of these carcinogens. I mean, that's easy connection, I think, for us to conceptually make. But then when you start talking about the brain, I mean, you start talking about depression and anxiety, I mean, that's just ramping it up a whole other level. And I know you mentioned some about these small molecules like butyrate and acetate. Do we have any idea as to why someone could be at higher risk of depression if they've got the wrong germs living in their gut? Yeah, um, well, there's there's probably several, several mechanisms. So uh, one mechanism that I mentioned was this change in the way uh, the inflammatory and immune system chemicals go. So you know, for example, TNF-alpha is a pro-inflammatory agent in your body. And if you have just too much of it, not not maybe such high doses that you, as you might see in an infection or fever, but if you have too much of it in your body on a regular basis, 
that can lead to autoimmune diseases, that can lead to changes in the way your brain works um, because your brain's having to deal with inflammation and that can affect you, um, give you Alzheimer's, give you um, mood changes. And so this is an important uh, important discovery over the last 10 years. I mean, the thing that um, helped me realize that I needed to reassess this situation and learn more was that they've now discovered through um, the genetics and, and the DNA studies of these microbes that there are over 10,000 species in your gut now. 10,000 species of bacteria. Just Just try to get your brain around all the complex interactions that are going on there. Greg, this is uh, just incredible stuff, and I know there is so much more practical application to it. We do have to step away briefly. I'm talking with Dr. Greg Steinke. We'll talk in the next segment about how you can connect with him and and his team there in in Chattanooga, Tennessee area, but uh, a lot more about the gut microbiome, things that make a difference for your comprehensive health, coming up right after this. American Indian and Alaska Native Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please contact us on the web at AIANL.org or call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. The following is a public service announcement for victims of child abuse. The most negative thinking in my childhood was the things said to me. I felt like I was a bag of garbage waiting to go to the dump. Please, moms and dads, put a watch on your mouth as you relate to your children. If you've experienced child abuse, find someone to talk to, someone you can trust and share your hurt and disappointments. Go to overcomingabuse.org. That's overcomingabuse.org. Papa, why can't we telegraph while riding a horse? Son, there ain't no one to blame but Jeffro. He was riding old Betsy the Stallion, tip-tapping away at his telegraph, when blam, ran right into the side of the saloon. Well, if Jeffro can't do it, neither should you. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Dr. Nia Heard-Garris with today's tip for kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics. Every year, hundreds of teens drown. If your teen hasn't learned to swim yet, it's never too late. Even if your teen is a strong swimmer, make sure to supervise kids of any age. No one should swim alone. Teach them to enter the water feet first, wear life jackets on a boat, and never use alcohol or drugs on the water. Drowning is preventable. For more, visit HealthyChildren.org. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for youth. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs and dangerous things like metals into your body. And nicotine, which can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping. Because when you talk, they hear you. Learn more at underagedrinking.samsa.gov. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaska Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. 
Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Dr. David DeRose. My guest, Dr. Greg Steinke. He's a board-certified specialist in family practice as well as in preventive medicine. And Greg, I guess uh, you're triple boarded now. Is that right? Also uh, boarded in lifestyle medicine. Is that correct? Yeah, that's uh, that's true. And um, it's just a, a blessing to be able to serve people. So we're grateful to uh, learn something. So we've been talking about how lifestyle can impact our gut flora. We've talked about how indigenous peoples seem to have tapped into this throughout history, eating a lot of whole plant foods that seem to have these beneficial effects on the bowel. And as we talk about this, I know folks who've even heard a little bit about it. They've heard about the so-called probiotics, maybe even the prebiotics, can you walk us through the difference between the two, probiotic, prebiotic, what are they and how do they differ? Yeah, this terminology came up uh, just as uh, we were starting to learn more about the gut and realizing that we wanted to get the gut healthier. And so the probiotic um, means bacteria in a pill. That's what a probiotic is, hmm. bacteria in a pill. So every probiotic is bacteria in a pill or it's bacteria in some, some food. Um, that would be a, a part of that definition. So, you know, some yogurts, some, um, you know, kinds of, uh, different foods that have bacteria in them. Prebiotics, um, on the other hand is the food itself. It's the food that the bacteria actually eat to build up the good bacteria. So the, the most a uh, notable example is your garlic, your leeks, uh, your onions. Those are very, very healthy foods that um, really raise up the healthy bacteria in your gut, for example. So I know when we wrote the book, 30 Days to Natural Blood Pressure Control, we looked at uh, just some of the early literature that was talking about the connection between probiotics and blood pressure lowering. You've already added to that list today how if we can improve the gut flora, we can decrease the risk of diabetes, help uh, in our mental health issues, but also with the immune system. Can you help us understand a little bit more about COVID-19? Because you and I have spoken off air about how some of these folks, I've heard them called long haulers or folks with these uh, extended COVID-19 symptoms. You were saying there might be some thought that this whole microbiome plays into this as well. Is that correct? Yeah, it's fascinating that here you have an infection that's supposed to be, you know, done with within, you know, 10 to 15 days at the very latest, many people far quicker. And yet there's a subset of patients who, you know, go on to have symptoms for quite a while. And they, they say, you know, I'm, I'm just fatigued for a long time. I maybe feel some subtle shortness of breath for a long time. I have some joint pains and, and this has gone up for, gone on for up to 80 days in some of the research they've done on these folks. And so um, it's very interesting to note that there's a significant change in the microbiome, in the gut, the gut uh, flora, the bacteria um, get suppressed uh, during the infection. And what the hypothesis is, is that perhaps these healthy bacteria are not growing back up again and the inflammatory state that the body's in as a result of COVID-19, it cannot be corrected uh, very quickly in some people or it has or is not corrected quickly. And so they kind of end up in a bit of a pro-inflammatory stance in their body and leads them to have more of these symptoms um, because of the inflammation. 
there are so many things that we're learning about COVID-19 that are causing us to focus on a whole host of other aspects of physiology. One of them just came to my attention not all that long ago, and Greg, we didn't talk about this uh, prior to coming on the show, so if you plead ignorance, you'll be in the same category as me. But I had a fellow that called me. He had recently gotten over COVID-19, and for some reason, his doctor did a bunch of blood work on him, and his lipids, his cholesterol, his triglycerides had totally gone off the chart. I mean, his triglycerides, I think, had been, you know, normal, you know, 100, 150, and uh, they were 800. He'd been fasting, I mean, everything was ideal as far as the testing conditions. He uh, then was retested several weeks later, and his uh, triglycerides were back down to 80. And so the question was, well, was this just a lab error? Did they get the specimens mixed up? Or is there something going on with the liver and the gut and this whole intestinal system, if you will, if you want to throw the microbiome into it, that uh, was involved. Have you heard anything about weird stuff going on with uh, cholesterol and triglycerides in the context of COVID? Yes, David. Um, during a cytokine storm, um, and, and that term means uh, usually when doctors use it, they are referring to a patient who's very sick in the ICU, having this extreme inflammatory response during COVID-19. But to check to find out if they're having that, one of the tests that you check is triglyceride levels. Hmm. And um, they found that the triglyceride levels can significantly elevate during COVID-19. Now, it's interesting that it sounds like he was not in the ICU having mm -hmm. this. He was just having this as a regular person, uh, you know, outside of the hospital. And so that's very fascinating that he seemed to be having a component of that cytokine storm during the COVID-19 infection, um, and yet not manifesting uh, many of the other uh, features. We know, for example, with probiotics, that people who've been given probiotics for a month or two um, see a reduction in their cholesterol. They see maybe a seven to eight point reduction in their cholesterol on average. Some people see a, a stronger reduction, some people much less. But there's definitely an impact of the bile acids, of the various um, DNA uh, microbes in the gut on your cholesterol issues. So folks who are listening, they're hearing probiotics, they've maybe walked through a health food store, a drug store, and they see uh, probiotics, so many colony forming units. Is there any at this point rule of thumb as to what someone should be looking for? Is it certain species of bacteria? Is it so many colony forming units? Do you have any insight into this or is it so much in flux that we maybe don't have all the answers yet. I think you can have some confidence. Um, there's certainly a lot to learn still. I have that here. Um, Saccharomyces uh, boulardii. Uh, we use this all the time in the hospital. Um, basically, you want um, nine, uh, 10 to the ninth power or 10 to the 10th power. So that's, you know, basically you're getting to a billion units. Um, and it's it's much easier to go with the milligrams, 250 to 750 milligrams with Saccharomyces. We use that a lot. Um, that's an excellent one. The other one is lacto, Lactobacillus rhamnosus, and then it has a GG on the end, and that's just describing that particular bacteria species. And that's, again, 1 billion CFU, so um, 10 to the 10th power uh, for you math nerds out there. So um, that's how much you need. If you use less, um, it doesn't have the same benefits 
And so you need to make sure the dose is adequate or else you're not really giving yourself probiotics. Now, you're really challenging my math. So I thought a billion was 10 to the ninth. Have I got it wrong? And it's 10 to the ninth, and then, yeah, 10th of 10th would be 10 billion. Yeah, you're right, 10 billion. Okay, okay. 10 to the ninth is 1 billion. Yeah, you're right. Sorry if I misstated that. So basically what we're going to do is we're going to say, if we want to choose some probiotics, we're looking for this. So let me see if I wrote them down correctly. Saccharomyces boulardii. That's right. And uh, and the lactobacillus uh, raminosa, is that it? Yeah, raminosus. Here I can spell it um, R-H-A-M-N-O-S-U-S. And then they'll often put a G-G on the end, which is uh, just a, a subspecies. Okay, and we're shooting for in the range of 1 to 10 billion that's right. colony One forming units. That's right. And that's important to note when you're, when you're looking in the store, et cetera. And does it matter? Folks often ask, well, does it have to be refrigerated? Can it be on the shelf? I mean, is there good data on that or is that a little bit harder to come by? Yeah, I think refrigeration is reasonable to be safe. But the various supplement companies have uh, different opinions about that piece. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so we've got the probiotics. If someone has uh, maybe some, they may feel discretionary income to put toward that. Others might be saying, I'm going to go with the prebiotics, eat more garlic and onions. Can that really actually favor the growth of these same kind of bacteria that we've just been talking about, the Saccharomyces and the Lactobacillus? Absolutely, David. It's garlic, onions, uh, leeks. These are excellent uh, foods for uh, growing up um, the healthiest kind of bacteria, which um, uh, the two I named there are included in that. And uh, and you definitely want to do probiotics um, if you're taking antibiotics. It's becoming a more routine recommendation to because to do that because 30% of patients who take antibiotics get antibiotic-associated diarrhea, which can lead to dehydration and a lot of trouble. So, Wow, wow. Okay, Greg, so we're making some of these connections. Now, for folks that are listening, we've mentioned a number of connections. We haven't talked a lot about immune system kind of prevention. We've talked about how infectious diseases can undermine our immune system or at least undermine the balance of this gut flora that then has impact on inflammatory compounds and kind of sounding like a vicious cycle. But what about people who are concerned about their exposure to COVID-19? Maybe they haven't been able to get the vaccine. Maybe for various reasons they've been told not to get it. What uh, should they be thinking about as far as the microbiome? Uh, definitely uh, get on a healthy diet is the number one thing. And just judicious use of uh, antibiotics. So like we mentioned, we mentioned some healthy foods, the plant-based, whole plant-based diet, high fiber diet, less simple sugars, really scrutinize your food. There's a lot of hidden simple sugars, you know, I mean, not that you would never take any, but you know, just try to try to use less in your diet, more whole plant uh, foods for sure. So Greg, let's bring this back now to another topic that I know always generates a lot of interest in Indian country, and that is the topic of diabetes and of course, along with diabetes, we often end up talking about weight-related issues. Many individuals, if they didn't have weight issues prior to their diabetes, they may have been put on insulin, they put on a bunch of weight. How does this microbiome tie in with this? Can you give us a little bit more detail? Well, David, we've known for a long time that the more inflammation in your body, the higher the cortisol levels, we focused on that quite a bit. 
the more you're going to uh, retain weight, the, the higher your appetite. It's a significant issue. And so the microbiome having these fluctuations or for, or if you have a chronic, uh, chronically bad diet and you have a microbiome that has a lot more pro-inflammatory bacteria in it, then that those pro-inflammatory chemicals will be interacting with your system um, and leading to changes that will increase your weight. We know that that's a fact. Um, there is some research. It's not totally concluded at this point, but there is some research that taking probiotics can help to free of that and helps to uh, improve weight. In some cases, not all studies have shown that. So really what we're saying is there's a far-reaching range of strategies that you can use that can make a difference as far as really making a difference for a host of issues. And some of them have been under the radar screen for a long time. Indigenous peoples, though, with their natural diets have been actually helping to have a healthier intestinal tract long before antibiotics were ever around to disrupt our bowel flora, helping us avoid issues with weight depression, anxiety, diabetes, high blood pressure, and even immune system-related problems. Dr. Steinke is going to pull this all together with some really fascinating insights as we go into our final segment here shortly. Don't miss uh, Dr. Greg Steinke as he comes back. Focus on the microbiome, practical things that you'll take away. Stay tuned. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. The following is a public service announcement for victims of child abuse. If child abuse victims don't get counseling or help, they so often become abusers themselves. The victim doesn't make the decisions. They just take the orders. I got help. And so can you. If you've experienced child abuse, find someone to talk to, someone you can trust and share your hurt and disappointments. Go to overcomingabuse.org. That's overcomingabuse.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Shelley Flace with today's tip for kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics. If you own firearms, it's your responsibility to make sure they're always stored safely. Hiding them in a closet or drawer is not enough. Kids know where they are. Research shows the risk of injury and death is lower if guns are stored unloaded and locked up with the ammunition locked in a separate place. This is important when children are young as well as when they grow into teenagers. For more, talk with your pediatrician or visit HealthyChildren.org. So I wanted to talk with you and your mom today, Lily, because some people at school have noticed changes going on with you, and we're concerned. Like what? Who? Some of your friends, teachers. It sounds like you've lost interest in a lot of things lately. You're hanging with new friends? So? So, individually, maybe those things are no big deal. But taken together, and then the incident the other day, you were with Derek when he was caught selling marijuana. Yeah, he was selling it. Honey, we know. But we care about you and, and want to know what's going on. That's right. We just want to understand better and see how we might help. And if weed is a part of it, we just want to make sure you understand the negative consequences for someone your age. The physical and mental health effects, the poor decision-making, and the confusing legal aspects these days. So what do you say? Can we talk? 
For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaska Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You're back with the final segment of today's edition of American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. With me, Dr. Greg Steinke. Dr. Steinke has been sharing with us some of the amazing aspects of the microbiome, those germs that live in our gut. And Greg, one of the things that we were talking about off air is just this staggering number of microbes that live in our gut in relation to how many cells are in our body. I know you mentioned there's some questions about that still, but but what are the experts saying? Well, you know, the number that, that has been quoted frequently is 39 trillion, and that seems to be the low end. 39 trillion uh, bacteria cells in your gut. Just think about that. I mean, that number is just, you can't even capture what that number is. And the interesting thing is there seems to be a fair bit of difference between people. That seems to be the low number, but there's a fair bit of difference between people. Like I mentioned with the, with the Malawi uh, group, 30% more bacteria and a lot more of the healthy kind. There's a very important role that your gut has. You know, you cannot uh, digest all the food you eat. And so your gut, uh, the bacteria in your gut plays a role in helping you to, to digest some of the fibers, helping you digest some of the fats, proteins, and carbohydrates to give your body more nutrition, more vitamins. B12 is an example of that in, in a more complex way. But it's a great topic, and, uh, and I definitely want to tell you a little bit more about uh, probiotics and antibiotic-associated diarrhea. Yeah, before we go there, just a couple of things. Some folks uh, know that you're based in the Chattanooga, Tennessee area. Uh, not only are you a hospitalist, but you're in the process of opening up an exciting new model for a clinic. Tell us uh, just briefly about that vision that you've got. Yeah, we want to uh, do a clinic called Life Med Clinic. We want to make ourselves accessible to the patient. Same day or next day appointments are easy. Um, we want to uh, make it affordable. And we have a, a model that we're going to use where it's a low monthly rate. And we're going to focus on primary care and lifestyle issues to do simple things, diet, exercise, maybe a little bit of supplements here and there to help the patient be able to have control of their own health and not uh, be in a sick situation where they're requiring um, a lot of medications and, and so on. So that's our goal. We're looking forward to getting this going. It'll be exciting. Yeah, it's exciting. And folks who want to learn more, they can go to your website, correct? That's right, lifemedclinic.org, lifemedclinic.org. Okay, I've got it. Life, L-I-F-E, med, M-E-D, and then clinic, singular, correct? C-L-I-N-I-C? That's right. Okay, lifemedclinic.org. So folks in the Chattanooga area may be dropping in, checking things out, or throughout the country just getting more information from Dr. Steinke. But, Greg, let's go back to this really important issue about antibiotic-related diarrhea. And I'm thinking of many discussions I've had with patients over the years. One of the feared causes of diarrhea, at least in the medical community, and you know it's feared when you see it in these box warnings uh, on antibiotics, you know, can cause this clostridium difficile. Uh, people have died from this uh, 
cause of diarrhea. Why would uh, diarrhea kill somebody? Well, what happens in that particular issue when they get so sick that they might die is something called megacolon. So literally, the bacteria grows up and becomes the dominant force in your colon. And it interacts with your colon in a way that makes your colon get larger and more and more inflamed and the inflammation gets out of control. And Clostridia difficile, Clostridium difficile, um, has toxins that it produces. And those toxins um, lead to the inflammatory response. And so what we've done is we give antibiotics to try to get that to go away. But the problem is, is that, you know, a bunch of patients do not respond like we want them to respond. They get better, but often they retain that bacteria. And as long as the bacteria stays on the down low and is not really doing much, then usually they get better and they do okay. But often these, this bacteria can just come back multiple times to the point now that they've discovered a very successful treatment where they take someone who has a healthy gut flora, does not have clostridia in it, and they do a fecal transplant. This is an old procedure that was done way back in China centuries ago. And now we're bringing it back with good research to support that this well over 90% of the time in people who have this persistent clostridium infection they cannot get rid of, um, fecal transplants just to restore a totally new set of bacteria into their gut. Fascinating concept. Yeah, I mean, this uh, even a decade ago uh, would have been craziness. I mean, if I told a patient that we're going to give you some feces from someone else and just put it right in your colon, they would have uh, called the authorities and tried to get me locked up. But really, it's amazing, this testimony, the power of the gut flora. So let's talk to many people, Greg, right now who are likely tuning into the show, and they're saying, well, I've got diarrhea. I was on antibiotics a month ago or two months ago or a few days ago. Do I have uh, C. diff? Do I have this Clostridium difficile? Uh, is most of the diarrhea that follows antibiotics caused by uh, real bad actors like this uh, C. difficile? Well, I wouldn't say that it's there uh, most of the time. I would I would say that that is a component, certainly uh, there uh, in a minority of cases. But the antibiotic-associated diarrhea that occurs because of the fact that you do not have adequate bacteria in your gut and you, you get into this excessive uh, fluid production in your colon because of a, a lack of balance in the homeostasis of your colon, you need to do something about it. Do not just um, let yourself have diarrhea indefinitely. What you can do is make sure that you're on a healthy diet. Make sure you're taking a high fiber diet, lots of prebiotics, like we mentioned, the garlics and so on. And then add a probiotic in to the dosing we mentioned. And this can improve you. I've had a number of stories of patients uh, with the same experience. So patient will come in, um, been on antibiotics before. They don't even realize the connection many times. And you find out they're on antibiotics, put them on a probiotic, and within five days, usually, they're, they're much, much better. Hmm. I mean, it's exciting. There aren't uh, a lot of chronic diseases that you can reverse in five days, but uh, someone with even chronic diarrhea, right? Sometimes you've seen it uh, weeks, months after the course of antibiotics. Is that safe to say? Absolutely. You know, I mean, a lot of patients with inflammatory bowel disease are trying it. It's not always working for them, but I've had many patients with inflammatory bowel disease like Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, have significant improvements in their symptoms because of um, trying probiotics, which means that if they improve their diet as well, they will often see further improvements. 
So there's a dramatic changes in some patients, some patients not as much. We just realize that it's a very complicated field. You know, the probiotics that we use have very limited numbers of bacteria, maybe two or three or four, maybe up to five different kinds that we're, that we're growing, you know, whereas there's 10,000 kinds in your gut. I mean, we're not even close to figuring this out yet, but the few little things that we have figured out, we're grateful to know for those we've been able to help. So, Greg, I think one of the messages that's come out clearly, so clearly in this show is we want to be eating more of those plant foods. If people haven't heard that message when it came to diabetes or high blood pressure or weight for other reasons, hopefully they're making that connection, realizing it has a role with this microbiome. We're hearing about the connections with the immune system and with mental health. As a lifestyle medicine physician, you have your boards in that discipline, in addition to family practice and preventive medicine. What else do you like to underscore when you're telling someone about an optimal lifestyle? What other things beside diet? Yeah, I mean, uh, exercise is very, very important. Uh, exercise is a huge factor for your immune system. Uh, we know that uh, you can upregulate some of the beneficial uh, cells in your immune system by a regular exercise program. And the reason that occurs, one of the reasons that occurs, it has to do with the heating up of your body. The mm. fever aspect of your body is very, very important. And that is mimicked when you exercise. You know how you feel hot and sweaty mm -hmm. after a good, strong uh, bout of exercise? That is actually exercise for your immune system. Mm. That hot experience that gives your body an exercise process with the immune system. As well, they've been discovering brief uh, exposures to cold. So not being afraid to go into the cold weather just briefly to allow your body to be uh, exposed to that actually is very stimulating for your body. And that brings up the whole issue of hydrotherapy. Mm -hmm. Hydrotherapy is an excellent thing that you can do to try to minimize your risk of infection in general, but specifically COVID-19. You can do a very simple thing anybody can do pretty much anywhere is use your local shower, just a shower in your bathroom. Turn it up hot for five minutes, then down to as cold as you can tolerate for 30 seconds. Do it again. Do it up, do it at least three times, and you will have a significant elevation of your immune system. Greg, as always, it's been great to have you on the show. Our time has slipped away from us. Again, one more time, if folks want to get connected with you, some of the great stuff you're doing, or even check out your, uh, your new practice, how do they do that? Um, go on to the website, lifemedclinic.org. L-I-F-E-M-E-D clinic, C-L-I-N-I-C dot O-R-G. Check us out. We're grateful to be able to help you if you have some needs. Dr. Greg Steinke helped us really connect again important factors when it comes to lifestyle, simple things we can do to make a difference. For all of you who've joined us today, hopefully this does connect with you, inspire you to make good steps as far as your future health. For all of us, I'm Dr. David DeRose wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.